We exalt you on high, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God above all gods. You are the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in them, Lord. You are the supreme Lord God Almighty. We exalt you and we lift up the name above every name, the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, we praise you today. Lord, I invite you here. Lord, we already did before we started praise and worship, but Lord, we invite you again. Holy Spirit, move upon this today. Move upon this message, this teaching. Move upon this, Lord, and take it to the whole world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Great to have everybody here on this hot Alabama day. Whoo, it's hot. It's already hot. I think we get a break next week, though. I think it drops into like the, the 80s for a second. Like, right? It's going to feel like air conditioning. All right. Uh, got a lot to cover today. This is part three, and as I believe will be the end of this great end time delusion message. Um, today, I address the Roman Catholic Church a little bit more than usual. Now, let me just preface this message with this. I know there are good and decent people that are born again that are in the Roman Catholic Church, okay? But as for an institution, its leadership, its doctrines, its uh, rituals and sacraments and practices, all of that is idolatry, error, and deception, and it's always been. Which is why the Lord Jesus said in Revelation 18, come out of her, my people. Well, if there were none of his people in there, he couldn't say, come out of her, my people. She is the great whore, Mystery Babylon, and I will demonstrate that today. Um, I guess we need to get started on this. It's only 79 slides. We'll see if we can get through it. I'm going to try. You look. Our church is a little different. The Lord called me to be a teacher first. So this is kind of like a college class. This would be like one of our ministry school classes more than it is a preaching. But this is truth that you need. Remember, teaching is information. Preaching is inspiration. Okay? I'm trying to give you information today. Uh, but this is the great end time delusion. And if you've noticed here, I'm talking about the alien UFO phenomena, which is a demonic, satanic deception for the end days. I don't care what anybody else says, because there's Christians out there that are going to tell you, oh, no, it's okay. There, there can be aliens, too. No, that's not what God's word says. And it's going to come down to the point where you either believe God's word as a Christian or you're going to believe the world system. Now, part of the problem is that we've already adopted part of the world system. But let's read through this chapter in the Bible real quick. So nobody's going to accuse me of not giving you some scriptures before we get into all the other information. All right. But here's 2 Timothy 3. I, fi I figured it'd be important. I started to just give you part of it, but we'll just read all of it. He says, uh, 2 Timothy 3, he says, this know also that in the last days, somebody say last days. Perilous times shall come. The word perilous means dangerous, treacherous times shall come. 
It says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, I love this one here, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, though they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. Look at verse 7. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is our information generation right there. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, these are the Egyptian magicians, as they withstood Moses with their supernatural powers from the devil, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning faith. Remember, as we get into this, the resistance of the truth from Satan and his people is supernatural manifestations. The UFO alien phenomena is demonic supernatural manifestations. Okay? So you got to understand, the Bible's warned us about this in multiple places in multiple ways. I covered last week Zechariah that talked about the flying scrolls or cylinders in the sky and that they would look like an ephah, which the ephah looks just like the UFO that we've seen, the classic saucer-shaped thing. Now, uh, I guess I ought to change it. The rest of this, this is still 2 Timothy 3, verse 9. He says, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly or their foolishness shall be manifest or revealed to all men. So what we're doing today and what I do as a minister, a five-fold minister of the gospel is to reveal, make manifest their foolishness, like we're on a flying spinning water ball. That is foolishness. We're going to address that some today too. He says, Paul says here, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. You know exactly what I teach from the word of God, my manner of life, how I live, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. The persecutions and afflictions which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Here's a verse I wanted to get to. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The word seducers here in the Greek is the word goes. And it means wizard, mutterer of spells, practicer of magic. Uh, 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 basically, a person who operates in witchcraft, black magic, the satanic power. Okay? He said these men are going, and the seducers, the evil men, and the wizards are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But then he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, of knowing whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now he tells you, in the last days, when all of this bad stuff and these evil people and these deceptions get worse and worse, how do you keep from being deceived? You go back to the Holy Scriptures. That's the only thing that keeps you from being deceived. And that means believing that the Holy Scriptures, every single word from Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God. Every word. You understand that it is the truth of God. No matter what 
charades or whatever the Wizard of Oz does out here. You know the truth because you know the Word of God. All right? Or you better. Or you will be deceived. And then he says this. Go back to the Holy Scriptures. They're able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If you stray from this, you are in trouble. If you stray from believing that every word of the Holy Bible is inspired by God, that no man didn't write it down by his own mind or his own intentions. If you stray away from that, you're already, you have already been deceived. And it's because of this that we're seeing, you're going to see today Christians who have completely walked away from the scriptures and now believe there's going to be, not, not that Jesus is coming again physically to set up his kingdom like the Bible says, but that there's just going to be a Christ consciousness awakening. And that actually the aliens are probably more holy than we are and, and didn't need redemption. This is where some Christians are going. Now, Jesus said this is Matthew 24, 1 through 7. When they asked him, his disciples said, what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the world here in verse 3? And Jesus answered, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name. Somebody say, come in my name. People will come in the name of Jesus as Christians, saying they're Christians, saying, I am Christ, or I am of Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, that's the word. Somebody say, deceive many. Not a few. Not a minority. Many. Many are deceived, my friends. Now, here's a book called, uh, is Christ in Evolution, this is a woman, Ilya Delia, I guess that's how you say her name. But she is a Franciscan sister, the Roman Catholic Church. She is highly awarded journalist, professor. Um, she's taught all over the place. And this is from the introduction in her book. She says, as long as someone, and I think she's quoting another fellow, but this is in her book. As long as someone uh, is thinking in terms of a geocentric universe and an earth deity, the story has a certain possibility or plausibility. As soon as astronomy changes theories, however, the whole Christian story loses the only setting within which it would make sense. With the solar system no longer the center of anything, or... Uh, what happens here forms the center of a universal drama becomes simply silly. So she's telling you that the change in cosmology is basically making Christianity irrelevant. And the sad thing is, is that just because the world changed its cosmology away from what the Bible taught does not mean that Christians should, but many Christians have. Because they believe NASA instead of believing the Bible. Now, here's another thing she said. This is her book, so you can see it there. She said, if the book of Genesis were rewritten today, how would the story begin? In light of what new science tells us, it might begin something like this. In the beginning was God, filled with power and mystery, and God spoke one word, and the word exploded into a tiny, hot, dense ball of matter. 
that gave rise to forces and fields and quarks and particles all joined together like a single strand of thread. However, we may understand the new science of the 21st century. It says it has certainly changed in our view of the cosmos from what the original authors of Genesis could have known. See, here, here's the problem. You either believe the Bible or you don't. And once you don't, I don't care what topic it's on, you're deceived and you're headed for greater deception. And he says, and a view of continues to unfold and, and again. Now, I've got a little video that I have played in the past. Now, I, this is in our, from my video, the uh, Escaping the Matrix, Biblical Flat Earth 101, but I want you to watch this clip because I'm going to be talking about NASA and the Vatican today, all right? But please hear me. People have seen this clip that I'm about to show you from NASA, from the Apollo 11 mission. People have seen this and still deny that it's true and believe that uh, the, the narrative that we went to the moon. And, th and, this is, and it's a really a joke. Um, the India, India's trip to the moon, how did they have worse CGI than we did in 1969? They have worse footage. Um, they've got pictures of a sun up there or the moon looking at the moon. I don't know what the, what's going on there. Folks, India didn't just land a rover on the, on the moon. I'm sorry. We didn't. They didn't. Russia didn't. China didn't. Have you watched Russia and China's moon landing rovers? <laughs> I'm telling you, if y'all believe this stuff, they just sit back and laugh at you. They, I think sometimes they put out ridiculous footage just to see if you'll still believe it. But you need to watch this video because this is the smoking gun. A documentary was made years ago by a guy named Bart Sabrell called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to a Moon. He, for five years, he requested footage from NASA about the moon landing because he was doing a documentary. Now, either a whistleblower or some idiot that didn't know what they were doing at NASA sent him about an 11-minute clip of them in low Earth orbit claiming to be halfway to the moon, faking a shot of the Earth through a window in the capsule. Now, if this doesn't wake you up that, to understand that NASA has lied to you about many things and that they cannot be trusted, nothing will. If you, if you're still, if you can watch this and still be a NASA fanboy or fangirl, then you are going to stay deceived because they're also pushing the alien extraterrestrial lie. And they're going to be right in the middle of this with the Vatican and the rest of the deceivers of the world. So watch this. It's, it's, it's a longer clip than I normally play, but it's a must. The Matrix is a system, Neil. 
That system is our enemy. But when you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Locked! Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on me. shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. Finally, the element that seals their fate. Of all the footage of Apollo 11 requested from NASA over a five-year period, one gem was discovered just before the completion of this documentary. An old reel received by mistake. It contains the raw or unedited footage of the crew of Apollo 11, Michael Collins, Edwin Aldrin Jr. and Neil Armstrong, staging part of their mission for nearly an hour in living color with exceptionally clear behind-the-scenes audio of conversations discussing the techniques used to achieve a disingenuous picture depicting the Earth at a distance in order to falsely demonstrate their far journey from it and their ability to survive passing through the Van Allen radiation belts. It cannot be misconstrued that this staging was done for some other reason prior to the mission, for the reel itself is slated and dated July 18th, 19th, and 20th, 1969, the very days of the mission when they were said to be approaching and achieving lunar orbit. Furthermore, it is apparent they are in genuine zero gravity aboard the actual spacecraft, necessary to convince the mass media of their authenticity, just not any further than Earth orbit, as you will see. In this never-before-seen or heard footage, not only is the radio conversation between the astronauts and Houston Control audible, there is a secondary, private conversation taking place between the crew and a third confidential party, prompting the astronauts with what to say, when to speak, and how to effectively manipulate the camera to achieve the desired misleading effect. NASA claims that the Houston transmissions were the only ones taking place with the astronauts. Listen now as Houston Control initiates a conversation with the crew, only to find them too preoccupied with the behind-the-scenes trickery to respond. Moments pass and the oversight is picked up on by the clandestine third party who quickly prompts them with talk. Immediately, Neil Armstrong speaks. Hello, Apollo 11. Houston, Goldstone says that the TV looks great. Over. Okay, uh, Roger, we're uh, 
Again, the illusion they are attempting to create is the Earth at a distance to demonstrate their far journey from it and their ability to survive passing through the Van Allen radiation belts. Understand, too, that only about 20 seconds of this raw footage was ever broadcast to the public, and these conversations discussing their deception were believed to be private until now. Here they discuss that these television transmissions were in fact not broadcast live as everyone believed. They were first screened and edited for playback later. Here they discuss the fact that they have turned out the lights and have blocked out sunlight from entering the spacecraft through the other windows as to not cause any reflected light to fall onto the spacecraft's wall in the foreground. The reason this was done is so that the truth of the matter would not be revealed. It is this. Though the federal government would have you believe that this is a view of Earth from a distance out of the spacecraft's window as it nears the moon, it is not. What they have ingeniously done is placed the camera at the back of the spacecraft and centered the lens on a circular window in the foreground, outside of which it is completely filled with the Earth in low orbit. The circumference of the window then appears to be the diameter of the Earth at a distance, with the darkened walls of the spacecraft appearing to be the blackness of space around it. That is why they wanted the interior dark and blocked out the sun from entering through the other windows. Here you can see the extruded window, probably two inches thick at the bottom. This is because the earth shine is coming in at a downward angle. It also causes the earth to appear to be an irregularly shaped circle, for you are seeing the outside of the window at the bottom and the inside of the window at the top, which together form two different sized halves of a circle. Subsequently, this take was never used. As they perfected the shot, a crescent-shaped piece of black material was inset slightly into the window to create the illusion of the Earth's terminator line dividing night and day. It is uncannily convincing. During this segment, intended to be edited and played back later for the worldwide television audience, dated July 18, 1969, Neil Armstrong condemns himself as he states that he is 130,000 miles out or halfway to the moon, as the NASA flight log also states on this date, when he is in reality in low Earth orbit of a few hundred miles. Hi, Roger, Houston, Apollo 11. Here, during another segment, also intended to air after review, Neil Armstrong falsely explains to the viewers how the shot is attained by putting the camera's lens to the window's glass, as it would have to be if they were the claimed distance away from the Earth. We only have one uh, window that uh, has a view of the Earth, and it's filled up with a TV camera. If the window was completely filled up with a TV camera, as he stated, then an astronaut's arm would not be able to get between the camera and the window, as it obviously does here in this outtake. South America becomes invisible just off beyond the Terminator or inside the shadow. 
You can also notice how the astronaut operating the camera reacted to the mistake by attempting to pan away from it. This is a segment that they believed wasn't even being recorded, much less suitable for broadcast, for the lens was being zoomed out and the scene was being changed to that of an interior of the astronauts at work and apparently the stop button popped back up on the recorder without notice. Here is the diffused work light that they used to see camera controls but not throw light onto the spacecraft's wall. Here they remove part of the crescent insert. Finally, the iris is opened up and you can see the real location of the camera and the very bright and near Earth out the window. Here is the slate for the 19th of July and the same shot of trickery on the 19th of July and then the 20th and the same misleading shot on the 20th. Later that evening, they were said to be walking on the moon when they were in Earth orbit only nine hours earlier, and the moon is some three days' journey away. Furthermore, if they genuinely went to the moon, why would they be faking any part of it? Why this trickery with the window? By faking being halfway to the moon, it becomes apparent that they did so because they could not even go halfway. It hey, 75 feet, that's looking good, down a half. Forward. 60 seconds. Lights on. Forward. Forward. 30 feet down, two and a half. Picking up some dust. Straight shadow. Four forward, drifting to the right a little. 30 seconds. Forward. Contact light. Okay, engine stop. We copy you down, Eagle. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The eagle has landed. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. there you have it now if you can see that and you still believe in moon landings and rovers on mars and all the other nonsense then there's no hope for you i'm just gonna be honest god gave us the smoking gun all right and you say pastor dean why do you do that why do you show that because you have got to wake up and stop believing and trusting government agencies. Do you understand me? Satan has formulated a big lie. And it really is a big lie 
about creation and the nature of the sun, moon, and stars, and the earth, and through his lie of hundreds of millions of light years, distances, and galaxies far, far away, and oh yes, there's, there's planets out there that could support life, all this nonsense. That's, that's what is the foundation for the whole extraterrestrial UFO lie. And so all Satan has to do is send his demons out to do a few light shows, manifest himself in certain places, bring forth his Nephilim creatures to say, I'm aliens, and you're fooled. But see, the only people that's not going to be fooled are the people that know, first of all, that you don't trust the governments of the world, you don't trust the UN for sure, and you don't trust anything in the science world that you can't see for yourself and test for yourself and observe for yourself. You think a scientist would lie? Yeah, they lie all the time. They lie to get nice, big, fat, juicy grants, don't they? Oh, yeah. Falsify research, all kind of stuff, all the time, because it's about money. So let's get through the, into the Roman Catholic Church here. Now, the Roman Catholic Church, they're knee-deep into NASA and the CIA and everything else. All right? But let's look at who this is. Now, I've made it crystal clear that I believe that the mystery Babylon, the great whore, is the Roman Catholic Church, and I'm going to show you why, all right? Because I believe the Bible is crystal clear on this, and so is history and geography, all right? But let's read this, Revelation 17, 1 through 5, And there came out one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, the word fornication, as I'm going to show you in a minute, can also mean spiritual idolatry. It's not just the sexual immorality, it's spiritual immorality, with idols. This is very important, all right? And he says that all the kings of the earth have committed fornication, committed idolatry with her, and been made drunk, deceived. Their, their senses have been made uh, weakened by her idolatry. You'll see this in a second. He says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And remember this, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, that's purple and red, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication or her idolatry. The cup is full of it. And then it says, upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Let's continue. On Revelation 6, 17, 6, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore did thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath seven heads and ten horns. Now he's going to tell you the mystery. Now I'm not going to go into this verse 8. It's too long and complicated. But here is where he starts giving you the obvious Gives you the obvious definition. First, he says, the woman here, he says, here's the mind that hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So remember that. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords, the lamb is Jesus. 
and the king of kings and they that are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes, nations and tongues. Right now, the Vatican, there are 1.3 billion Catholics in the world, all over the world. So they are everywhere. All right. And the Roman Catholic Church owns property in every country all over the world. Um, it says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and to give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. This is a very important verse, 18. And the woman which thou sawest is, somebody say is, that great city, not nation, city, which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Now, the word reigneth, I'm going to show you in a second, but the word reigneth is a present tense Greek verb. So when John wrote this in about AD 95 to 96, he was talking about one city that ruled over the kings of the earth. What city was that? All right. You're starting to catch on. Let's look at it. Let's just look at this. See, she was clothed in purple and scarlet, decked with gold, precious stones, and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the filthiness of her fornication. She's the mother of harlots and abominations. I mean, she births them. She creates them. She was drunk with the blood of the saints and the martyrs of Jesus. She is a great city on seven hills which reigns or has reigned over the kings of the earth. So the Roman Catholic Church has two ruling parties within them. One called the bishops, one's called the cardinals. If you see right here, the purple's a bishop, the red's a cardinal. What do you say? Purple and scarlet, purple and red. Everybody see that? Let's go to the next one. Remember pearls and gold and jewels? Oh, my goodness. I, I couldn't even put it all up here. The diamonds, the gold, the pearls, the jewels that they just deck themselves with. Not exactly what Jesus wanted us walking the streets with. Right. Here's the 500 diamond encrusted golden chalice that the Sultan of Abdul Medea or whatever gave the Pope uh, Pius IX's election. Da, da, da. So 500 diamonds on that one cup they use there. Of course, here's a book I read back in the 80s, came out in the 80s. You can go look at it, The Vatican Billions. It talks about how they began to accumulate land and wealth for centuries and centuries. They are, they are the wealthiest entity on the earth. Everybody talks about, you know, that Mystery Babylon is the United States. That's the biggest lie that's ever been told. We are $30 trillion plus in debt. We're not them. They got all the money, not us. In fact, you know, it talks about Mystery Babylon in, in chapter 18. talks about the number one exporter of fine oil to the world. Do you know, that, I mean, we're talking about like uh, olive oil. Do you know who that is? Who's the number one exporter of olive oil? It's not the United States. Italy. How about wine? Italy. All those things listed? Italy, not the United States. We lead in nothing. Okay, and there's that, that book goes through it all right there. Of course, the United States is not guilty of the blood of the martyrs of Jesus for, you know, almost 2,000 years. 
In fact, I don't, I don't have time to go through it all, but you, you go back and you look at the Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition, and, and the entire persecution. The Roman Catholic Church is the biggest killer of Christians that's ever existed, and they are still doing it. All right? And they didn't just kill people. They tortured them. They were, they were ruthless maniacs. They, they invented stuff to torture people. It's an evil institution. There it is, the city on seven hills. That gives you the seven hills that they're on there. Rome is known as the city of seven hills. The Vatican sits on one side of the Tiber River facing the seven hills. And there it is. Now here is where it says reigneth. The word reigneth, I just wanted you to see. Present active participle. It's the same type. Uh, the words used when it says that uh, Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. What would that mean? She was presently pregnant. Okay? So the word, the city that reigneth over the kings of the earth is a present tense Greek verb. And what does that mean, Fire and Grace School of Ministry students? Taking place in the present. Exactly. So, there's no doubt in my mind that... Uh, She is, the, the, the Vatican is the great whore. And this is the word for uh, fornication. It is the word pornia. But it can also mean, as you see there, the worship of idols, the defilement of idolatry, incurred by eating sacrifices, uh, offered to idols. The Strong's Greek Dictionary says harlotry, including adultery and incest, idolatry. So you see that it's idolatry. Now let's go through this quickly. I don't care what anybody says. The Bible is clear in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, that you are not to make any graven images of anything that's on in heaven, anything that's on the earth, anything that's under the earth, okay? And you're not to bow yourself down to them, all right? Period. You don't make a statue, and you don't bow to it, because bowing is a form of worship. Kneeling is a form of worship. Even bowing your head over is a form of worship. Raising your hands is a form of worship to something. All right? These are popes worshiping Mary, statues of Mary. There's Francis, our latest Jesuit pope there, bowing in front of the statue of Mary. Uh, Fire and Grace Church, have you ever seen Pastor Dean bow in front of a statue of Mary? There's a reason for that. It's called idolatry. All right? Here's, here's Francis offering incense. This is what the high priest did in the holy place as an act of worship to Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God, the Creator. And here they are doing it to a statue of Mary. Oh. They say they don't worship Mary while they break the second commandment. Here it is. Bowing to statues of popes, Mary, that Catholics do this. Now, granted, some of them do it out of ignorance, but it is still idolatry. Idolatry is to do an act of worship, to revere, to honor something, to submit to something. There it is. I mean, we've got one of the biggest ones right up the road in Coleman, Alabama. One of the biggest places you can go worship Mary right there. A lot of you don't know that 
the big Catholic Roman Catholic cable network, EWTN, is right out of Coleman, Alabama. That's a trip, isn't it? It's wild. I'm getting at this is a system of, of idolatry. Here you go. People kneeling, praying. They pray to Mary. They, they actually praise her. They say praise her. They've made Mary the co-redeemer and the co-mediator and also say that she was born without sin. No, Mary was a sinner. We've all, children of Adam and Eve were born with sin. But this is what I'm telling you. They've turned her into a goddess and they worship her, and they pray to her. Show me one scripture in the Bible where it says pray to a human being. No, when you pray to anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, then it's idolatry. You understand? Now, why am I pointing this out? Why is this so important? Look at this one. They made an Ark of the Covenant with Mary in there. If that's not idolatry, I don't know what is. This is Roman Catholic. Got the full crescent sun symbol, the whole ISIS thing going on there too. Uh Uh-huh. There's some more. Now this is bowing to the tabernacles where they put the wafer in. I said, they're bowing to the cookie. They magically turn into Jesus. Remember what Jesus said, though? If they say to you, Christ is here or there, believe, no. They'll literally say, when the priest does his little thing over the wafer, that Jesus, the, the, the cookie literally becomes the flesh of Jesus Christ, and they put it in a little tabernacle and bow before the cookie and worship it. This is a whole system of idolatry. Okay. See, how to pray during the Eucharist adoration. See, they put the cookie in the sunburst, which is really a hidden form of sun worship. The Roman Catholic Church is so corrupt, y'all. It's so evil. I know I picked a little bit on Hinduism last week, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is false Christianity at its height right here. All right? Now, here's a, just so you see what Exodus says. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. You see that? You don't bow. I was in the island of Mauritius. I saw Hindus there bowing down to statues, offering food to them as an offering. Statues, yes. Now, Why is this important? Why am I spending time on this? You think, oh, we're talking about the alien deception because it's very important you understand that Roman Catholicism being a system of idolatry opens anyone in that system up to demonic possession and infiltration in their lives. Because Paul said very clearly, he said, what what, say I then? That the idol is anything or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything? But I say unto you, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God, and I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. He's saying you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord in the cup of devils. You cannot be the partaker at the Lord's table in the table of devils. 
He's saying the moment that you get into any form of idolatry, any compromise with it, you are having fellowship with demons. This is the same fellowship, the word in Greek, that talks about the Holy Spirit coming into the Christian and we having fellowship with him. Okay? So he's saying the moment that you participate in idolatry, you open the door for demons to come in and then you have fellowship with them. Now, why is that important? Because let, let's go back a little bit. Everybody thinks Copernicus was the first to come up with the whole heliocentric nonsense. It wasn't Copernicus. It was this guy, another Catholic priest, Nicholas of Cusa, from, what did he live, from 
of dough, you're only getting so many biscuits out of it. Right? Unless you're, you know, some kind of witch or some kind of I dream of genie and you just... And the Big Bang makes no sense whatsoever. But this is what they're pushing. And this is even what they're pushing now at the Vatican. Okay? So I want you to understand... NASA pushes this, and the Vatican pushes this. Now, here's the National Catholic Register. I just wanted to look this up. I, I said, I wonder, wonder how many Catholics were involved in the Apollo, Mercury, Gemini, space mission. Oh, it was a bunch. It was a bunch. I don't have time, but, of course, Gene Krantz was in there his whole time. He's a big-time devoted Catholic um, Notice it says, from the very beginning, Catholics played key roles at NASA, including individuals such as Gene Krantz, Glenn Looney, Ronald Richard, and astronauts Bill Anders and Eugene Cernan. So you've got them. Of course, that's Richard, uh, Ronald Richard. He worked at the JPL lab, the one developed by Jack Parsons, the Satanist. And, of course, here's what they claim. They claim Nicholas Copernicus, and they go down through the thing of different ones that different astronomers, they, they're, they're proud of it, that they've put forth this lie. Of course, here's Krantz. He was big part of Apollo 11, but he was leader on Apollo 13. Big Roman Catholic. Now, this is important for you to understand. You don't get places like to positions like this Unless you are playing the game. You understand? And obviously, NASA had no problem with the fact that he was Catholic. He wasn't going to be a problem for them. Like, for instance, they wouldn't put me there. I'd be a problem for them. You understand? Now, just, just so you know, here's, the, here's another little bit of fakery that happened on Apollo 17. So remember... Krantz and all those guys are part of this whole thing. All these Roman Catholics are part of this. This was a known lie. Now, this is straight from my book. Here's straight from NASA's website. This is the picture taken of Apollo from Apollo 17. Here's the problem, though. You see that time and date stamp over there? The picture was taken at 10.38 a.m. UTC GMT, that's Greenwich Time, London, England. Apollo 17 astronaut claims to have photographed the entire sunlit side of the Earth. Remember, now they're supposed to be at the moon. Therefore, they say they're seeing the entire sunlit side of the earth, right? Wrong. Because the picture is that. See that circle? That's the picture they took. But there was a lot more of the earth lit by the sun. The reason that that's the picture is because they couldn't get any high enough to take the rest of it. And I got a little program on my phone. It's fun. It's a little solar system scope. It's, done, it's, it's made with NASA data. And um, if you notice, I put in December 7th, 1972, 10.38 a.m. UTC. The exact same time that the picture was taken from Apollo 17. I want you to notice something here. Can you see? Here's the sun. Look up there. What do you see? The Earth? What do you see in between? Okay, now this is their data. How we landed on the lit side of the moon and it never twirls. We never see the other side, right? 
So how in the world, them being on the lit side, if, 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 if this is the lit side of the earth and that is, they're on the other side facing the earth. They're on the dark side. Their own model doesn't work. Y'all understand what we're, what we're saying here? Do you see that? I'm going to give you some more. Look at this. This is December 7, 1972 at 1038. This is supposed to be always the dark side of the moon. It's supposed to never be lit, right? They were never in the darkness. Matter of fact, NASA's website shows it. Apollo 17 is right here. They lie, they lie, they lie, they lie, they get caught, they get caught, they get caught. But folks are convinced they landed on the moon because they saw it on TV. Some are convinced that we landed on the moon because they heard it on the radio. But just remember, the Catholics that were involved in NASA are part of this deception with NASA. That's why I wanted to show you. Now, let's remember something about the, the Catholic Church. In the 1500s, when the Reformation began, what did they do? They began a counter-Reformation. Ignatius Loyola. Everybody heard of him? Everybody thinks he's a wonderful guy, created a new way to meditate. <laughs> now, he was a military arm, and he was raised up to destroy Protestant Christianity. That's you and I. What is Protestant Christianity? Protestant Christianity is the Christianity that believes the Bible and exposes the errors and idolatry of Rome. You want a simple definition? We believe the Bible. They don't. They believe the parts they like. They make up all kinds of stuff, and they don't care a, a, a thing about lying to you about anything. All right? says, when it seemed as if the Church of Rome were mined and crushed by the Reformation, the order of the Jesuits was formed, the most powerful and cruel of all orders within the papacy, and undertook, first of all, to capture colleges and universities. Remember that. Their first job was to capture colleges and universities so that they could control education. They have succeeded in that, all the way from the university level down to the public elementary school level. Um, it says, and uh, then it says they climbed to power in the state. It succeeded in do uh, dominating uh, certain nations in persecuting with unspeakable cruelty that Protestantism which was invented to be destroyed. So this is the book it's in. Now here's the Jesuit oath that is a matter of record in Congress. This was recorded in congressional hearings, and this is a fact. This is not conspiracy theory. It says, the Jesuit oath, I furthermore promise and declare that I will, when opportunity present, make and wage relentless war secretly or openly against all heretics, Protestants, and liberals, as I am directed to do to extirpate and exterminate them from the face of the whole earth, that I will spare neither age, sex, or condition, that I will hang, waste, boil, flay, strangle, and burn alive these infamous heretics, rip up the stomachs and wombs of their women, and crush their infants' heads against the walls in order to annihilate forever their execrable race, that when the same cannot be done openly, I will secretly use the poison cup, the strangulating cord, the steel, or the 
poniard, the, the leaden bullet, regardless of, the, of honor, of the honor, rank, dignity, or authority of the person or persons, whatever may be their condition in life, either whether public or private, as I at any time may be directed to do so by the agent of the Pope or superior of the Brotherhood of the Holy Faith of the Society of Jesus. Now, they, I didn't have time to put everything in here. It is a well-known fact that it was the Jesuits that assassinated Abraham Lincoln. It was a plot, a former priest, a guy that had come out of Roman Catholicism, Chiniki or Chiniqui or however you say it. Anyway, he he became best friends with Lincoln and warned him the Jesuits are going to try to kill you. And he and actually Lincoln wanted to make Chiniqui uh, his ambassador and spy in the Vatican, but he Chiniqui didn't want to do it. He started a church in Canada to lead people out of Roman Catholicism. Powerful stuff. Now here here's a I'm gonna tell you what I found a site last night that freaked me out. Do you know that there's Catholics? that are like upset that the, the counter-reformation is not going full blast? Yeah, they are. But this guy is talking about there's two great Jesuit churches near uh, each side of Rome. One is the Church of St. Ignatius, and the other is the Church of Jesu. All right, so these are the two Jesuit churches there. And this one has a statue. This is a statue there of Ignatius Loyola, the head of the Jesuits, stepping on the back of Martin Luther, who has a Bible in his hand. Do you need any more of a picture of what they're about? Do you think their mission has changed? No. The other one is a picture from the other church of Mary throwing Luther and John Huss out of heaven. Oh, yeah. Y'all better be glad you didn't live in Europe as a Christian back then. Of course, just so happens that the guy pushing the whole ET, extraterrestrial nonsense, is a Jesuit MIT grad who said that very soon the nations will look to the aliens for their salvation. He's the one assigned to the Vatican Observatory. He is a Jesuit. And part of his war is to undermine your faith in the Bible. I want to read this before I show you a little clip of him. He says here, the Vatican Observatory has certainly had an active collaborative relationship with NASA and many scientists who are supported by NASA, said Brother Guy Consul Magno. This, he said, this can range from using our telescopes to support NASA missions, for example, observing faint objects that are the target or possible target of spacecraft missions or observing one-of-a-kind events like transits or occultations. He goes on down the line. They says, he said down here, he says that uh, they have their, their Mount Graham infrared satellite, uh, telescope called Lucifer there that they use with, let NASA use it there, but can I, can I say something to you? Vatican and NASA are like peanut butter and jelly. That's a bad sign. These are two institutions you don't want. This, this is a book he wrote. Would you baptize an extraterrestrial? So what, what do you think this Jesuit's pushing? He's pushing the deception, y'all. Now here's a clip of him. I want you, I want you to hear... 
Now, what's sad about this is that what he's about to say about the Bible, a lot of pastors in America say the same thing. Um, a couple of years ago, I was asked to do a Bible study group. I'm thinking Catholics don't do Bible studies, you know. And to do a Bible study group in Houston. I mean, Catholics definitely don't do Bible studies in Texas. <laughs> to do a Bible study group in Houston with a bunch of astronauts. Astronauts? Oh, I could do that, yeah. So I wound up at a, at a dinner evening of about 12 couples, all of them astronauts and spouses. One of the guys, half of them are Catholic, as it turns out, so so much for Catholics not doing Bible studies. One of the guys um, came up to me and said, you know, I just want to let you know, I believe in the absolute truth that creation was made in the six days just as described in the book of Genesis. And that's my religion. I just want to let you know that ahead of time. And I'm thinking, you know, have you actually read Genesis where it says the world is flat and it's covered with a dome and there's water above and below the dome? You know, where does the shuttle go? How come you don't get wet? <laughs> but then he told me a little bit more. He said, you know, I'm, before he was an astronaut, he was a test pilot. Okay, that's enough of that one. Let's, let's see here. Now, I wanted you to see that because I want to go back to this. I want to read it. So I want you to hear what he says. He says he was asked you know, to go to do this Bible study, and he was, a guy tells him, I believe the Bible. I believe what the book of Genesis, I believe the Bible account of creation. An astronaut says this to him. And what does he do? He mocks that belief. He said, I'm thinking, have you actually read Genesis where it says the world is flat, it's covered with a dome, and there's water above and below the dome? Where does the shuttle go? How come you don't get wet? And everybody laughs. Oh, this is so troubling. You see, that was in 2008. In 2016, 17, I'm digging through FOIA documents on the CIA website. Don't you know that they know my name? Spent hours on the CIA website just digging through documents. And I come across documents, and I start, they start because I'm looking at satellites and rockets and anything flat earth, anything that says firmament, anything that says, oh, I found all kinds of stuff. I found stuff recently, right? But one of the things I found was I found all the tests, all, well, all the, the code words for our projects, like uh, Ox, Operation Oxcart, um, Operation uh, Corona, which is our satellites, our first balloon satellites, all the satellites. And all of this admitted satellites were on balloons, deployed by rockets into the ether. It's all there. But one of the things I found was a, a vehicle that uh, our A-12, which was the precursor to the SR-71, the whole point of the SR-71 and the A-12 were to fly very fast and very high over Russia and China and different places where we needed to do recon missions and not get shot down by SAM missile systems, Okay. What was happening even in the 60s was that the Russian SAM missiles were very effective at shooting down high-altitude airplanes. That's why the U-2 got shot down. Our U-2 got shot down over Russia back in the 60s. So that's when they developed the A-12 and the uh, SR-71. Well, those still, even though they flew faster and a little higher, about 89,000 feet, SR-71, probably around Mach 3, Mach 4, it still couldn't outrun the Russian missiles. So 
they came up with something. They said, we've got to have a boost glide vehicle that can fly much higher and much faster to fly over Russia and China. Now, all this is in the documents. I have them all. In fact, it's in the message I did uh, back in 2018. Now, what did I discover? Well, they were talking about this boost glide vehicle, right, that would first be carried by a 747. That would be the way they launched them first. And then they would use massive boosters. Okay? That's the space shuttle. It's called Operation Isinglass. It's interesting that Isinglass means lead glass, which is that's what the firmament's made out of. So here's the thing. I know it says that the space shuttle was designed to fly no more than 400,000 feet. Well, let me tell you what. I've learned since then that the ether level doesn't get dense, the superfluid gas doesn't get dense until you reach an altitude of 73 miles, which is about 385,000 feet. So at 385,000 feet, you need a second stage rocket to get push you into it because it gets very thick and very dense. All right, so they would go just barely into that with the rocket boosters. That's why they would flip over and the heat shield. That's why the heat shield was on the bottom, you guys. I don't understand. Because the moment they got up, they had to flip over because they were going to be scrubbing that very dense ether gas. They wouldn't get close to the firmament because no, the water's above the firmament. See, they laugh, but the water's above the firmament. They don't ever get to the firmament because God said that that would never be measured by man. That man would never know exactly how high the firmament is. So they would go and reach about 400,000 feet flying upside down. They would, once they hit the pinnacle, they would be able to fly over Russia the way they were doing it a little in the ether, which gave them a little boost, and they could fly over Russia in about an hour and a half and take pictures. And the Russians had nothing to shoot that high or that fast. And then we flip back over, and then they land, and everybody says it's, it landed gliding. Nah. That's why they put the F-16s flying beside it, so you couldn't hear that it had its own jet engines. But later, they got sloppy and didn't have the F-16s, and you hear it landing under jet power. Okay. So that's in, the, that's in the declassified. These were classified documents. So let me just go on and tell you that Mr. Guy Consul Magno, the Jesuit, the one that's all like this with the Pope and NASA, you're going to tell me he doesn't know exactly what the space shuttle did? It was never designed to go to space. And let me just add something else too. What more perfect vehicle could you have? to go back to the moon with. We went in a tin can the first time, right? Why did we never take the space shuttle and just land the thing on the moon's surface? It's the perfect vehicle. You're in space already, right? Just right on over there to the moon. Yet we never went back. And you say, why did they end the, the shuttle missions? I'll tell you why. Once they figured out and built the X-37B, which is a space, a manless or uh, space shuttle, they didn't need to put a crew in. So now they fly over. And a lot of things you see in the air at night, folks, are these vehicles. They're not satellites. They're the X-37B and their thing. So this makes me mad because here, here's, here you have somebody representing Christianity as a Jesuit priest for the Vatican, mocking. Genesis chapter 1. 
Now, does that undermine faith in God in the Bible, or does it boost faith in God in the Bible? So I wanted you to know something real quick. He is your enemy, and your enemy is going to lie to you. He's a liar. Y'all aren't burning up too bad, are you? Now, here's a book came out several years ago after disclosure when the government finally reveals the truth about alien contact. And this is what this said in this book. The world's largest church, talking about the Vatican, seemed to be positioning itself to be at the forefront of disclosure. The Vatican has long maintained several major astronomical observatories and a collection of radio telescopes. In recent years, its hierarchy has stated in uh, one form or another that we have a company that we're not alone in the universe. Perhaps they know something is afoot or suspect its inevitability. Um, here's their Mount Graham International Observatory, Vatican-owned, Mount Graham. They went through, all, they basically forced their way into that place. They wanted that mountain because a lot of supernatural paranormal activity goes on there. But there it is, the infrared cameras named Lucifer. There's nothing suspicious about that, though, right? Nothing to see here. Let's move on. Uh, here's an article. NASA turns to religious scholars to prepare humanity for alien contact. Y'all see that? We got to speed up here. Vatican joins NASA for masterclass on future of humanity. This masterclass with NASA was, where was it held? At the Vatican. Somebody say, NASA and the Vatican sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then come the aliens. There's an actual picture of a UFO over the Vatican. Said they've appeared at times, special times. Now, this book you need to get. If you hadn't read this book, you need to read it. I have it right here. Exo Vaticana, excellent book on all this. The connection between the Vatican, NASA. Now, I hate to say I love Thomas Horn and Chris Putnam and what they've done in several of their books. I hate to say that they still haven't come to the knowledge of the truth of creation fully. But this is an excellent uh, resource. To have a lot of good quotes, a lot of information. Um, but he says here, the Vatican is impenetrable, we were warned. The very inventor of the term above top secret. As the world's oldest running bureaucracy, it is an amalgamation of secrets, vaults, and esoteric traditions dating back to the Dark Ages. Steeped in complexity and guarded by a procession of popes, cardinals, and multi-level priests, it is obsessed with maintaining the need to know. When the spokesmen for the church do tantalize the outside world with commentary, it often turns out to be duplicity designed to keep researchers running in circles and in the wrong direction. And yet of late, we have heard enough consistency from who? Jesuit astronomers to wonder now if for some reason Rome was actually slowly moving the religious world toward a definite revelation. A period in time coupled with a momentous disclosure that somehow requires specific public comments and the development of theological arguments concerning extraterrestrial intelligence that, will, uh, that ultimately will, they believe, impact the religion of Christianity. Now see that. So that's taken straight out of page 522. Nope, wrong way. 
Now, I just want you to see, I want you to see some prominent Catholics who are teaching this stuff and pushing this. And look, it's only 10 after 12, y'all, so you better buckle your seatbelt. This is one of those, it's just going to take a minute. You can sweat along with me, it's all right. For Daniel C. Ryle, Father Daniel C. Ryle here, uh, thought the acceptance of aliens as objects of worship might naturally occur. Think of that, he said, objects of worship. That's what he said. For example, they might enjoy infused knowledge. They would literally be born with extensive knowledge and would find the acquisition of further knowledge easy and enjoyable. They might be blessed with harmony and concord in the working of their bodily and spiritual faculties. They might be spared the ultimate uh, delusion of death, passing to their reward at the end of their time of their trial, as peacefully as the sun sinks below the horizon at the end of the day. They might possess all these preternatural gifts, and uh, or only some of them in any various combinations that are limited only by the omnipotence and providence of God. So that whole article he talks about, how they're going to be far superior to us and probably even closer. Um, anyway, this is troubling here. This father, Domencio Grasso, not only thought such beings would be far ahead of us in science and related fields, but that their version of salvation might be based on a savior other than Jesus. Even a messy, uh, any number of their own race, these beings closer to God than man, see that? Perhaps even unfallen, would possess superior theology and could expand markedly our terrestrial understanding of redemption and the knowledge of God, something current Vatican theologians such as Professor of Fundamental Theology at the Pontificia, whatever, Universita del uh, Cross, I guess, in Rome, connected to Opus Dei, Giuseppe, I, we've talked about Professor Tenzella Nidi, but they agree with this. And then there's Father Thomas O'Meara, a theologian at the University of Notre Dame here in the United States. Imagine these godlike beings spread out across the universe on untold planets called to a special relationship with God. And that it is a mistake to think that our understanding of covenant, the reign of God, redemption, or shared life exhausts the modes by which divine power shares something of its infinite life. So basically, who are we to say? Now, here's what's interesting. This is coming from Exo Vaticana here, but this is something that blew my mind. Because remember last week I covered Dr. Stephen Greer's uh, documentary, right? Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Remember that? So, if you do, you remember this guy? He was in that video. Well, here's something interesting I didn't know about him. Anyway, he says, in the lead-up to the Vatican-sponsored conference on astrobiology, this was in 2009, uh, they interviewed Father Joseph Gabriel Foons, an astronomer and director of the Vatican Observatory, who made it clear that accepting uh, the reality of intelligent, it should be accepting, accepting the reality of intelligent aliens does not contradict the Catholic faith, and that, in fact, to believe otherwise is the real heresy. So if you don't believe that aliens exist, if you think they're demons, then you're a heretic. So then it says, Attorney Daniel Sheehan, who served for 10 years as the general counsel to the United States Jesuit headquarters in Washington, D.C., said Foon's explicit statement that disbelief in extraterrestrial intelligence put limits on God's creative force was code talk for those in the know. Attorney Sheehan here. 
Daniel Sheehan. He was the attorney and worked directly with the Jesuits in Washington, D.C. for 10 years. And what is he doing now? Making films with this guy. Here we are. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Stephen Greer. I'm here with a renowned a constitutional attorney and civil rights attorney, uh, Daniel Sheehan. And Danny and I have known each other since the 90s. And uh, he's uh, helped us with the Disclosure Project. Many of you saw him at the National Press Club event in 2001. And he, of course, is also in this movie, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, giving some great information to people. So uh, we're very honored to have uh, Mr. Sheehan here. Thank you very much for joining us. Terrific, Stephen. It's a privilege. All right, let's go on. Now, Sheehan... What Sheehan here identified, and this is this this brings it, and we're almost to the end here, so y'all hang on just a few more minutes. But what Sheehan identified in that the belief there is the belief by most Catholic theologians that Christianity, as we know it, is based on a pre-Copernican cosmology. You understand what they have attacked, y'all, when they have attacked biblical cosmology, the true creation is they have attacked the very foundation of Christianity. You understand how important this is? This is why it is so important for us to stand up for the truth. I, I, at this point, I'm not really going to understand any Christian that's going to say, well, I just don't believe what the Bible says. I'm going to believe NASA and the, and the Jesuits. But look, he says here, and he's correct, that true Christianity, true biblical Christianity, is based on a pre-Copernican cosmology. In fact, Martin Luther said that Copernicus's idea of the, there being planets revolving around the sun and all that nonsense, he said it was, it was foolishness. said he was just some guy looking for attention. That's what Martin Luther said. He said, because we know what the Bible says. Right. Look at this right here. He says, as long as someone is thinking in terms of a geocentric universe and an earth deity, the story has a certain plausibility. As soon as astronomy changes theories, however, the whole Christian story loses uh, the only setting within which it would make sense. With the solar system no longer the center of anything, imagining that what happens here forms the center of a universal drama becomes simply silly. What are they talking about? The universal drama. Mankind sinning, falling away from God. And God having to become a human being to redeem us. We're the center of his drama. And they're saying, that's silly now what we know. Know what you have made up. Here's another article I came across, The Challenge of Cosmology. Now, this was in 2013. The possibility of alien life, and the idea that the story we know is the only the very beginning, raises a new question in place of Richard Feynman's objection that Christianity is too providential. And it goes on to saying, oh, because we know that these nebula are 100 million light years away. There's no way you know that. There's no way you measure that. There's no way. And I did a whole thing on Deceived by the Stars a few years ago. 
in the most sophisticated telescopes in the world, they see the same thing you and I see with a normal, regular telescope. They can see nothing else. All this stuff is made up, folks. I'm not going to read all this. You can find this. With all the you have, what's a Christian to think? Now, this is that woman, the book, Christ in Evolution, said a minute ago. But it says, Elliot Nelson admits at BioLogos, the possibility of alien life forces us to ask what it means to be made in God's image, he says. Christianity is cosmic. It makes bold claims about the nature and future of the physical universe and must therefore face the challenge of modern cosmology. Are you facing the challenge? See, they say our story's fault. I say their story's fault. And I'm going to tell you right now, I walked out of my house this morning thinking to myself, Lord, when judgment day comes, I will stand as one who was not ashamed of your word, your truth about everything. <laughs> Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and of my words, I will be ashamed of you. Some people say, they look at me, oh, you're foolish for believing the Bible. So be it. Do you think that we're the only generation that might be called foolish for believing God's Word, believing that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, that He healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead? Why do you worry about what people think? Stand up for God's truth. You can't, you can't follow the Bible and NASA. You can't follow the Bible and the Jesuits. I don't care modern science. Modern sorcerers. Every, just because they slap the word science on it, y'all, doesn't mean it's true. Didn't y'all learn that with COVID? Oh Lord, I said COVID. goes on to say, and thus, for, for Nelson and, and BioLogos, the challenge is, quote, an opportunity to face apparent tensions and conflict with honesty and learn from them rather than smoothing them over, an opportunity to rethink what we think we know in pursuit of a richer, more imaginative, and indeed a more faithful vision of the story of Christianity. This woman is a devil. This Ilya Delio, a Franciscan sister who teaches at Villanova University and is founder of the Center of Christogenesis, has been a world leader in reimagining the cosmological story. Guess what? I hate to tell you, though, y'all. I don't have to reimagine anything. Let God be true and every man a liar, even if he's an astronaut. Come on, folks. See, what Mr. Jesuit said about the world being flat and covered by a dome and waters being above it, that's what the Bible says. And I want you to remember something. Remember the video I played of NASA, Apollo 11 faking their shot? Did everybody see they were faking their shot? I mean, is anybody in doubt? Okay. Did you notice something? As you watch the earth in the window, it wasn't spinning. 
It wasn't moving. You can, go, you can go back and watch it. The piece of land that you could see, it never moves out of the frame. You see a few clouds move a little bit, but you never see the earth move. First, think about this. They tell you the earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour. So how is it possible that it is not moving in that picture? I'll tell you something else. Even if they were in low earth orbit, as they claim to be orbiting around this spherical water ball, they're supposed to be moving at 17,500 miles an hour. Now, I don't know about you, but something spinning 1,000 miles an hour and then something else going around it at 17,500 miles an hour, we should see something moving. In fact, how do you even take a picture that's not a blur? Because I don't know of a camera that can handle 17,500 miles an hour. And you talk about parallax, but you talk about low Earth orbit moving at 17,500 miles an hour. You're talking about being close to the Earth and moving that fast. I have, I have video of the ISS, of them taking video out of the Earth out there, and it ain't moving. Now, what these are, these are capsules they go up in with balloons that take them up there. And that's why they can hover in spots for hours at a time. And then they drop them back down. The capsule that came down in the ocean, yep, that's the same one they went up in. It's the Felix. It's the Red Bull thing. You know, the first Red Bull jump, he went up to 124,000 feet and then came back down in it. Second time, he jumps out of it. But guess what? They still deflated the balloons and brought the capsule back down. And I happen to do, I have this in, my, in a PowerPoint somewhere that I haven't done, but I checked the tops of the Apollo 11 capsules to the tops compared to the top of the Felix Baumhauer Red Bull jump, and it's the same attachments of the, for the, both for the uh, balloon that carried them up and for the parachute that they come down in. Vatican theologian says aliens are real and more spiritual and intellectual than humans. Look at this. That was Monsignor Corrado Balducci, one of the top guys at the Vatican, demonologist, exorcist. Look what he says here. Extraterrestrial contact is a real phenomenon. The Vatican is receiving much information about extraterrestrials and their contacts with humans from its nuncios, embassies, in various countries such as Mexico, Chile, Venezuela. Now this guy. So this guy's the big pusher. He's, he's been given the green light. You go ahead and say it. Pope won't say it yet. You go ahead and go say it. You start, you start the buzz. Now, we're coming all the way back full circle. Watch this. There we go. What? Should be a video. Go ahead. I'll let y'all do it. We're almost done. When I was at the Vatican having a theological conversation about this was Monsignor Balducci that was facilitated by my very good friend Paula Harris, um, who's an angel in this field. 
And Monsignor Balducci was a senior theologian, actually a demonologist for the Pope, Pope John Paul. And we were talking about this. He says, oh, it's so ridiculous. He says, we all know, of course, if they were threaded, it'd all be over. And he said, and I love it, with, with classic Italian flourish, very tall patrician figure, I think taller than I am. And he said, he said, lower than humanity, there cannot exist in the universe. It was hilarious. I was in his apartment overlooking the, the, the Vatican. And it was a very interesting perspective from the senior theologian. Now, he did say that, however, there's an attempt to confuse people with things from other dimensions that are like demons or even angels with ETs. But he says, you know what? Angels, and by inference, demons, don't need flying saucers. But people, because of the strangeness of how an interstellar civilization going through dimensions can appear, people will conflate them or confuse them with either a demon or uh, an angel. Guess what? The intelligence community loves that you're confused. And they put things out to further confuse you. Um, you see how they're trying to do damage control on the teaching that these are demon spirits, that these are fallen angels. And who's, who's heading up the deception there? Vatican Balducci. So, folks, you need to get ready for the days ahead because they're going to keep coming at us with this stuff. It's full. I brought it full circle. And I think this is enough information for you to kind of chew on. Uh, you know, Chad just sent me, and it's true. This right here is very interesting. But I'll, I'll give you this. He says, this is from Mr. Chad Riley. He sent me this. He said, the head mason of the entire world is the head of the Jesuit order, the superior general. If you trace up masonry through all its orders, you will come to the grand tip-top head mason of the world. You will discover that the dread individual of the chief of the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, is the superior general of the Jesuit order, one and the same person. And we know that NASA was founded, built, perpetrated by... Um, Nazis and uh, Freemasons. All, all the first astronauts were Freemasons. So, again, there's a reason to lie. And, and people always ask me, say, why, would they, why do they lie about these things? The whole purpose, you've got to remember Satan's whole purpose in lying and in deceiving you is to take you away from believing the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God, thus taking you away from faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the whole goal. You say, well, Pastor Dean, they're not going to take me away. Well, good. Good for you. But they're taking a lot of people away with these deceptions. And they're going to get worse, and they're going to get more dramatic, and they're going to get more severe. They even brag. And that AD, after disclosure, that book even brags how the young people are going to dive into this hook, line, and sinker. But let me tell you, a lot of the older generation, even, even my, uh, uh, the generation older than me, a little bit, a little bit older than me, they cannot let go of that moon landing thing. And then I got in a debate with a woman, because, you know, we got NASA up the road here in Alabama, Huntsville. And I had a woman up there, well, my granddaddy worked at NASA, and he was a welder, and I just know he wouldn't tell me any lies. 
And, and they say he was a, he was a welder for NASA on the Saturn V rockets. So that's proof we went to the moon. But see, people have these feelings of nostalgia and pride. It really is about pride. India's going crazy right now, right? Oh, it's this, we went to the part of the moon nobody else went to. No, you did not. No, you didn't. That cartoon is the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, it's as bad as China. Russia and China's were bad, and India's is just as bad or worse. That's why we hired, uh, hired Kubrick, man. It's like, make us a, he, he did 2001 A Space Odyssey, make us something good. Still remember, you know something that's amazing is, if, if Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, who was filming that step? Cameraman got there first. The shot of them leaving the moon. The camera starts here. And as they take off, the camera follows them. Who did they leave behind? Think about that for just a second. They show us these probes flying by Jupiter. Well, is there a camera probe that got there first? My cell phone won't work at my house anymore. But did you notice that in the communications between them back and forth, there was no delay? How close were they? Astronauts on the ISS have made the mistake of saying, we're just right across the country from you. You need to wake up. If they will lie about the entire Apollo operations... And continue that lie for 50 years. You are going to trust them. That they're going to be telling you the truth about other missions and about ETs. That they're really okay. Come on, y'all. It's time to wake up. See, I'm not ashamed. We live on a flat non-rotating, stationary earth, set on pillars, just like God said. Heaven is above the firmament dome. God's throne sits upon it. They've never been high enough to even get close to it. There's waters up there because God has his own ocean up there. I believe he let them down here twice. And that's why he said he'd never do it again after Noah's flood. Say, well, Jesus said, well, when Jesus pulls back the firmament to return at his second coming, won't he flood the earth? No, folks. Remember, he divided the Red Sea. It stayed where it was. See, Jesus is going to do, do what Moses did there. He's going to divide the waters and come on down. You know why? Because he's God Almighty and do whatever he so pleases to do. Folks, either all of this is true or none of it is true. You don't pick and choose. 
Jesus talked about the stars falling to the earth at his second coming, all of them. The Bible is very clear on its cosmology. The stars are very clear. They're all going to fall. They're little. They're much smaller. Like he said, they're going to fall like figs from a fig tree. That's what Jesus said. He said the moon's not going to give off her light. God said he made two great lights, sun and the moon. Sun's not a star. He said he made the sun, moon, and stars. The sun is not a star. Never once does God say the world is spinning, flying, orbiting. And if you say, some people ask me, they'll say, what about that verse in Job where it says he hangs the earth upon nothing? You're right. He didn't hang it upon anything. He put it on pillars. It'd be like saying I, 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 I hung my coat in my closet or I put my coat on a foundation of pillars. It's two different things. Plus, underneath that foundation is a bottomless pit. We know it has no end. But God says the world is immovable. It's still in that rest. And then when you dig into the, the, the classified documents that are now declassified, guess what? NASA says over and over again, and our government says over and over again, that the earth is flat and non-rotating. The Russians have been saying it. All Russian bombing missions. I have the document in Russian. I have a friend that taught Russian at West Point who translated it for me. And it clearly says all Russian bombing missions in World War II were based on a flat, non-rotating earth. I have documents from NASA classified in 1961 that they programmed their IBM computers to track missiles in space based on a non-rotating flat earth. But it was classified. That document was classified, meaning if you revealed what was in that document, you went to prison or they killed you. Now, I say all this, and there's still people out there, even in my own family. No, matter, no amount of evidence seems to break through the brainwashing. But mainly it's because they're terrified to be a fool for Jesus Christ. Paul said, we are fools for Christ. He said, what the world calls foolishness, he calls wisdom. Has not God made the wisdom of this world foolishness? Do you know when he said that in, in Corinthians, when he said that he's made the wisdom of this world foolishness? Do you know that the word world there is the word cosmos? meaning their cosmos, their cosmology is foolishness to him. All this crap. We're going to go faster than the speed of light, and we're going to bend space-time, and we're going to create a wormhole and a portal. Do you know what you sound like? And there's dark matter and dark energy. I fell for this crap. This dark matter and dark energy stuff. You know why you have to fall for that crap? Those theories? Because their system doesn't work. They admit there's more mass than there's gravity. So, ooh, 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 ooh. And I mean, what you're saying to me is your system doesn't work, so you have to create invisible matter that somehow is holding everything together. 
And yet, how do, what do we know is holding everything together? Colossians chapter 1. Jesus is the preeminent one who holds all things together. You know why Adams don't spend I mean, Adam, you think about an Adam, even if this is real. Who knows? But even if we believe the cult of bumping particles, and you've got neutrons and electrons, protons. Protons have a positive charge. Electrons have a negative charge. Guess what? Positive and negative should attract, meaning the atom should collapse upon itself. Yet somehow it perfectly is held together, and the electrons spin around it perfectly held together. Again, if that's even real. Hey, well, Pastor Dean, scientists say, okay, well, whatever. I mean, I don't know. At this point, I'm willing to question everything. Right? Remember? The Jibidi Jibidu was supposed to be safe and effective. And those of us who were crying out that it wasn't several years ago were looked at as foolish, anti-science, blah, 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 blah. And now death rates are above or have increased 40% plus. People are dying of strokes and heart attacks at 25. So y'all keep believing them. Hey, I got news for you. Y'all think Fauci retired? Nah, he didn't. I saw him in an interview. I watched a whole painful 45-minute interview yesterday or the day before. Pushing the vaccines, pushing the next pandemic coming. How lockdowns work. I'm like, he's back. Lord, he's back. We got to listen to this fool again. But guess what? He is. A Jesuit. Y'all better wake up. They're about killing the Protestant nations. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I know it was long, y'all, but it was necessary. We should, God willing, get back to normal services next week. <laughs> God willing, and the creek don't rise, as we say in the south. All right, let's pray. And uh, I want to do Roy Fields. Um, well, I can't think of the name. Yes. We're going to do one worship song before we leave, and then y'all can cool off. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, again for your word. Thank you for the truth, Lord. I will not be ashamed of your word the truth from Genesis to Revelation. Lord, you created the world exactly the way the Bible says you created it. You made it clear to Moses and Joshua and Job and others clearly the nature of creation. Mankind has created a different story. Lord, we choose to believe your story. God, we know that in this creation, there's only you, your angels, 
There's the angels that rebelled against you and the demon spirits. That's it. There's no extraterrestrials. There's no other planets. No, the ones coming are the same ones that deceived mankind for generations. They're just taking on different names and different clothing and apparatus. Lord, we pray that you make us wise unto salvation through staying true, faithful to you and to your holy word as we enter into these last days, the last of the last days. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Six more minutes. Let's worship the Lord. Six minutes. We worship you and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say God's word is true. God's word is true. Amen. Isn't it something? I remember back, back in the 70s and the 80s, you know, the big thing, you know, the faith movement. Everybody jumps on the word of faith movement like it was something bad. There were some things that were off. But, you know, the whole purpose of the movement, the whole reason, it was like people believe God's word. And it was about healing. It was about baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I remember most of the preachers were just pushing people, believe the Bible. Quit believing your denomination and believe the Bible. Well, here I am in 2023 saying, believe the Bible about creation. Let me tell you, our, the job of our us of fivefold ministries is constantly saying, <laughs> It's pretty much it. Believe what the Word of God says and quit believing these liars. But Pastor Dean, I saw it on TV. You're going to see more than that. You're going to see stuff in the skies. All right. Y'all know the drill here. Hug some necks before you leave. I hope it's cooler downstairs than it is up here. We're partially underground down there, so it ought to be better. Love y'all.